heaven? No. It's Iowa. All right. What's the matter, partner? It's official, old buddy. I'm a has-been. Hey, hey, hey. Don't cry in front of the listeners. Come over. Get in the car. What are you talking about? What's gotten you so upset, man? Well, if coming face-to-face with the failure of your career ain't worth crying about, then I don't know what the fuck is. What, did they cancel the podcast? No. They want me to talk about the gophers again. From where I'm sitting, that doesn't sound that bad. What's the problem? Because I got to fucking talk about the gophers again. That's what the fucking problem is. Hey, hey, hey. You're Eric fucking Lane. Don't you forget. You're a good friend, Ben. I try. And away we go for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on the Pod of Dreams. I'm Rick Dalton. It's my pleasure, Mr. Schwartz. Call me Miles, Put it there. That's your son? No, it's my stunt double, Cliff Booth. Last night, we watched a Rick Dalton double feature. <laughs> All the shooting. <laughs> I love that stuff, you know, the killing. A lot of killing. Anybody order fried sauerkraut? No, I'm a stuntman. Look at me. So you still direct, huh? Still here. You can do anything you want to him. I hired you to be an actor, Rick. Not a TV cowboy. You're better than that. Line. Cut! Embarrass yourself like that in front of all those goddamn people. All right, what's the matter, partner? It's official, old buddy. Well, it has been. On August night and the leaves hanging down and the grass on the ground. Here I am, flat on my ass. Who, who I got living next door to me? I'm Sharon Tate. I'm in the movie. You're in this? That's me. I play Miss Carlson, the klutz. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Charlie's gonna dig you. And that gospel group telling you In this town, I can all change like that. You're Rick fucking Dalton. Don't you forget it. All right. If you listen, we will pod. Welcome to the Pod of Dreams. I'm Eric. Ooh, I'm Ben. I like that line a lot. If you listen, we will pod. I can't believe if you listen, it, we great. will pod. That's great. As you can tell, I'm coming and hyped. I am super excited for this episode. This is our Once Upon a Time in Hollywood episode. Thanks again for listening. Very excited. So. I'll just jump right in. Why did I pick this movie? There's a several sure. reasons. Several reasons. I'll give you. I'll give you a chance to give your thoughts because I think. Well, I gotta figure out. No, I gotta figure out. If we're gonna let's. Should we start with uh, 
start with where we agree and then get into it. Well, we will. We've hashed, we've hashed this out before. We, we so. have sort of, but let me just, let me just quickly break down why, like, why did I pick this movie? Why sure. now? Sure. So there's a few reasons, a few in particular. The first reason is Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery have their own podcast that just they just dropped it. Uh, it's the Video Archives podcast. They talk about movies. Basically, it's like they pick a VHS off the shelf from the video store they worked at and they talk about it. It's amazing. I love it. Highly recommend it. So that was like a big reason to like jump into Quentin Tarantino because he's got a new thing going. It's, their pod is almost as good as ours. If it's, they keep working at it, they'll get there someday. There's like us and then, the, yeah, I mean, give them, a, give them a little while. They'll catch up to us. Sure. But, uh, yeah, it's like a poor man's pot of dreams, basically. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the other reason is, I, you know, looking at the movies we've done, and we haven't done a ton of, like, my favorites, like my all-time favorites. Maybe that's not the purpose of this podcast, but I was just thinking about, like, I got to so do... Memento is up there. Maybe it's but not your all-time favorite. It's, it's up, up there. there. It's, not, it's not one that I, like, read, readily revisit, you know? Uh, we sure. did Jaws, but that was, you know, we had a guest that picked it. Um, so we haven't done, like, a ton of just, like, my all-time favorites, so I, I thought I'd do it. And then the other reason, which is kind of a morbid reason I'm realizing now, is the Manson murders took place on August 8th. So we're oh. basically running up. This will air just about on the anniversary of the Manson murders. Whoa, um, okay. Actually, it will drop that day. So this you'll be listening to this on August 8th. Um which is the anniversary of the murders, which again is a morbid reason, but that's one of the other reasons. So that's why I picked it. So Ben, um, I, do you want to jump into your just sort of general thoughts of this movie or? Well, we can't, I mean, there's, cause I have a ton to say. I uh, sure. I have about 80% of it. I love, um, there's about 15%. I'm kind of like, I don't hate just, I love less kind of ambivalent about, and then there's about 5% that genuinely infuriates me and aggravates me. Um, we'll get to the 5% later. Um, I, I'll just kind of list off some of the reasons why it's great. I, I love the impeccable recreation of 1969 Los Angeles. It looks In amazing. In a practical way. It wasn't done through VFX nope. or green screens. Like they no, built I, I this don't know shit. how they, their location scout. And I don't know. I don't know how they did it. It looks amazing. Um, and you can feel it. You can. It feels like. Yeah, it feels. Yeah, no, it, it very much feels real. All the performances, I love. There's not a single performance that is less. I mean, very good is maybe the worst I would say about any single performance. They're all very good to incredible. Um. There, is so many things about the process of making movies that you can see, the beauty, the agony, the the joy, the misery that comes with making movies. Um. It, is readily apparent in this movie, which I love. Uh, just the single, my single favorite scene in the movie is when Margot Robbie playing Sharon Tate goes to the theater, watches the movie that she's in and sits there. And of course it's Tarantino. So she has to have her feet up because he's got his kink with his feet. And we've had to see his love of feet for 30 years or whatever. But she listens to one of the parts where her character in the movie falls and she hears it's not uproarious laughter, but she hears a smattering of laugh and she just smiles. She gets this rush of joy, of warmth. Um, and it's really endearing for all kinds of reasons. And that's my single favorite 
scene in the movie. Well, and there's lots of stuff like this. Interesting. So one thing jumped out at me that scene, which is such a weird thing, is she she's watching her movie, and before her movie starts, there's a trailer for a Joe Namath movie where he's like an action star beating guys up. It's like. That's a weird ass thing, which it must have been a real movie. It must have been a trailer for her movie, the Dean Martin movie, which is just crazy that he was like a movie star for a little bit. Well, yeah, I think he tried. I don't think you would ever call him a star. I think he tried to be a movie like, star and failed. Yeah. You know, like, you know, Peyton Manning stars in whatever, and he's like an action guy. Like, that would just be kind of funny to think of a football player being that. And then, you know, the other thing about. Like the the Sharon Tate character, which jumped out at me on this time watching it again too, is like how much love I think he he had for for her and and sadness for her dying, and I think that's a big core of this movie is like like how shitty that was that this person who seemed like just a beautiful human and like who was just and about was at to, the start of her career right just yeah, starting about, her career just about you get to take the nice off. contract with her and Rick Dalton right whose career is tailoring off. Hers is about to take off. There's just nice symmetry between the two. You know, and I saw an interview where Margot Robbie was like, everybody said she was just an amazing per, like a nice, just a nice person. And like the scene where she picks up the hitchhiker and this like part of time where, where you could just open your doors, people could come over, you could pick up hitchhiker. You weren't scared of like random ass people killing you. And then she, she was killed by a random ass psychopath, you know? And like, how sad that that really is. So that that jumped out at me too. But yeah, that's the scene where she's watching the movie is amazing. That's, the, that's my it's my favorite scene in the movie. It's it's perfect for so many reasons. It's just great. Um, it, it's I mean, and there's so many other scenes like that. Uh, I mean, Leo in this movie as the kind of neurotic guy actor whose career is not in free fall, but it's it's slowly descending. Um, he's great. Every every scene he's in, I, I really like him as a character. Um, pretty much everything um, he's in and he does, but, but especially when he's first having the conversation with the the precocious kid on the set of this western, there he's the now the bad guy. And anybody doesn't know, I mean, he plays a character called Rick Dalton, who was on this in this like fifties, you know, western show. Bounty Law uh, is what it was called, yeah. Yeah, and eventually he tried to have a movie career, made some movies, but didn't quite ever take off. And then he he was at a point in the late 60s where he's basically starring as the villain in a bunch of, of shows on TV. He's the heavy. Yeah, the heavy, as they call it. Um, and he's like an alcoholic, clearly, and it's kind of funny, but then you see it kind of depressing in, in other contexts. And he kind of flubs some lines, and he gives himself this, like, incredible, like, self-loathing pep talk, which is... I love, I mean, I, you know, if you've never done that for yourself, then I, I don't know what you're doing. Cause I've certainly had those moments, not as eloquent um, as Leo's, but you know, well, uh, hilarious. I, th- I also find it hilarious. It's yeah, funny. It's, it's, it's this wonderful mix of, of emotions and, and pathos and absurdity because he's also in one level, just pretending to be some guy for a paycheck too. Um, but he ends up giving this really great performance and he gets a calm little girl and the whole process is, is really fun i mean i love how fit, i love the recreations i loved the the first time we see bounty law we, we don't see the whole show but we see like a trailer that would be on tv and i was like oh I, I i used to see trailers like those on tv on like rerun stations when i was a kid i mean i you know not for that show because it's made up but it was like oh that's so pitch perfect he gets the timing right it's it's incredible just these absolutely loving recreations they're fantastic um all this is stuff I love. This is, and this is a good chunk of movie. This is why I, you know, 
I love it. Um, probably stuff that you like way more than me, but I don't hate. I don't, I don't love Brad Pitt as much as you love him in this movie. I'm sure you just, I mean, he's just so cool. Uh, I reach a point where I just like, okay, come on. Like this is such a fictional creation of Quentin Tarantino's that I stopped seeing. He's him not as a my human favorite being. part of the movie though. I no, wouldn't but I, say I, that I just at didn't all. see him as a, as an actual person. I was not able to see an actual person that, he just does everything so cool. He fixes antennas cool. He makes living in a trailer park cool. He makes codependency cool. Everything he does is so but cool. But he's also a fuck-up. How is he a fuck-up? Because he fought Bruce Lee? He, well, he maybe what killed cool his way. wife. That's the weirdest thing, and I still don't know what to think I, I of I don't that. like that part of the movie. But he, but he lost his job because he beat up Bruce Lee. But what a cool way to fuck up. You beat the lead on the guy who was talking shit. Yeah, that, what a cool way to fuck up because you're just well, too I, tough. He beat the fuck yeah, out of the lead. He's he was Brad talking Pitt. Shit. Of course. Yeah, of course. What? A, what? A, I wish I could fuck up like that because I'm just so cool and tough. But also, not my favorite part of the movie. I, I will say the Bruce Lee scene. I mean, we could talk about that in greater detail. That, that feels but. indulgent a, a little bit. That's a little bit of Quentin Tarantino just kind of dialing up a notch or two above what I, I enjoy. But it's fine. It's not like a problem. It doesn't really get in the way. I'm just, yeah, I don't love it. But I, I just don't like most of the Brad Pitt stuff because, again, I, I wish we would have... <laughs> the scene with him at in his trailer park with the dog, I think, is incredible. Where he's making macaroni and he's feeding his dog. You're just seeing this guy who lives a pretty shitty life. But you he know, makes I, it look cool. Yeah. Well, okay. He's he's fucking Brad Pitt. Of course he's gonna. He doesn't look, look even cool. remotely sad about his but life. There, there's he, nothing. He's fine with this. That's the whole point of it. That's the whole fucking point. I know of it. exactly. He he's makes a guy that, in a trailer. No. In Van Nuys. He's a cool. guy that never made it, and he's okay with his station in life. He he's fine with it being. Being his being Rick Dalton's gopher and driving him around, that which is like a sad thing. He's like not a not doing well. He's he's Rick's basically his assistant, and he's an old man and he never did anything in the in Hollywood. But he's okay with it. He's fine. I I love that. I love that about his character. And you juxtapose that with Rick, who's never satisfied, even though he's got this you know amazing house and he's got a career and had had a shot at fame and maybe didn't didn't work out for him, but. I, I, I appreciate his character a lot. I think there are problems with it. We'll talk about, but, like, so the Bruce but, Lee scene, you, the end, which you I think is the part you're going to... That's the 5%. I figured we'd get Debbie there. Downer. We, we can, di- we no. can dive, we can uh, dive into that. Before you start raining on the parade, I want to talk about how why this movie is so great. Because, well, that's what I've been doing. Yes. Well, yeah, you were just about to jump in. and, and No, I wasn't. Debbie I had more downer. stuff that I was kind of... No, I wasn't. I was, I was, I'm saving that for later. We, we, don't, we, can, we can take our gloves off and get into that part later um it, i mostly love it i mean it's just super well made um there's also something about like this era passing and hollywood decaying that happens right we go to the spawn movie ranch which used to westerns used to be shot at these shoot bounty law there or whatever um it's in a state of decay because hollywood's in a state of decay. it's about to become like transition hollywood's about to be gone die off and we're about to get new hollywood's about to come in is in this transitory period it, I, I love that it, it really works on multiple levels there's the the fear of that in the when he goes there and there's a little tension with the manson groupie people um but then you also just see like oh this this era of filmmaking is gone it's going the way of the dinosaurs the way of the dodos whatever like it's about to be history um we're about to get movies that are way different anyway i like that too i mean there's just so much about where it's set and the feeling and the vibe of the movie they're great anyway go ahead you, you pr- no, no more praise what I was i'm not say, being effusive enough for you so no 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 that's, that, you're, that's fine i mean you you feel how you feel 
so my the reason why so I think this movie is maybe the most entertain for me maybe the most entertaining movie I've ever seen like oh, wow. I just I could watch this any day of the week I am so entertained by it. it's hilarious I find it touching I'm just I want to just be in that world and and I think it's in that way it's a masterpiece um, I don't think it's like the greatest movie ever made. I think Pulp Fiction is probably more important to me and, you know, this oh, world yeah. of cinema. Um, sure. But this movie, I just I love everything about it. Um, and in particular, I think that the, like, you kind of touched on a little bit, but the theme of of sort of aging, obviously, that's a big part of this movie about, you know, getting older. I think the part where, where uh, Rick Dalton is talking to the little girl on set and he's reading his book about the guy that used to be able to break horses and then he's getting older and he can't do it anymore. And then, you know, Leo starts crying and about, you know, how once you get older, those, your skills just aren't there anymore. I think that's Tarantino speaking to himself about making movies. He said this, he's got a lot of, that's why he only wants to make one more. He's got a lot of anxiety about eventually making bad movies because every director starts to make bad movies. Yep. This is his ninth film. He says he's only making 10. And I think this movie speaking a lot to that feeling is like, I'm, I'm at the end of my rope here. And I, and this time rewatching, I think the relationship between Rick and Cliff, which is my favorite part of the movie, just these two buddies and like them hanging out and, you know, what that means, that sort of partnership and friendship. And and I see that as maybe for two things, like, is it is it a metaphor for Tarantino and making movies? This like idea that we're getting towards the end of the end of the line here. And, you know, at some point we're going to have to say goodbye. And that's what he's doing with these characters at the end of the movie. You know, there's that part where. Um, I think the narration is something like, you know, someone who's more than a buddy, but less than a wife, you know, that's, you got to get blind drunk when, you know, when that's coming to an end. And also I thought of a lot about, you know, I mentioned Roger Avery. He does this podcast with him now and like their relationship, Roger Avery won the Oscar with him for Pulp Fiction. He co-wrote Pulp Fiction and they had this like partnership early on. They worked at this video store and they kind of separated and there's there's a lot of that like is Tarantino Rick and is Roger Avery Cliff and how he never I mean Roger Avery's made some movies I don't think I've even really seen any of his films that he directed like I, I couldn't I don't remember them. It's not Tarantino uh, either way. I mean, he's whatever he is, he's not Tarantino. One cinema greats, no, not in the way Tarantino is. Uh, but that sort of relationship of a guy who never really made it and a guy who sort of had some fame and. Um, so, so I, that that to me, that theme I think is so amazing. Then also, like you said, just the ode to this time period of transition where new Hollywood's coming, and you know it's about change. And I I I know the ending in in this movie. Obviously, not to spoil it if you haven't seen it, the Manson murders happened. Sharon Tate was killed in real life, and in this movie, Cliff basically saves her by you know owning the the Manson people and messing them up and i think that's tarantino saying like i can push back on this thing that's changing in hollywood or i can i can make my own sort of fate and i i love that i love that theme i know you know you're gonna you're gonna shit on that but did he save sharon Tate's life did he bring her back to life well he talked about in a way he has because he's changed the memory of her because when you think of sharon tate before this movie she was the lady that got killed in the manson murders she, nobody remembers her as an actor or the movie she was in. And this movie kind of makes you think of her in, you know, by casting Margot Robbie and by seeing this sort of beautiful person. 
and watching her live in this beautiful way, like you think of Sharon Tate differently. Like I, I think of Marco Robbie. How many, Sharon, how many Sharon Tate movies have you seen, Eric? I haven't seen a single one. And you love this movie. Has it inspired you to watch a single Sharon Tate movie? No, but uh, maybe okay. I will. But maybe. I, I never would have thought of it before. Uh, she's just the one that got killed by the Manson people. So I think in a way he has changed her legacy. And he didn't save her life, obviously. She did die. But like – in a way, can can cinema do that? Can a, well, can a fictional he, movie fix let's that? Let's say he changes the ending and and she is killed how she was killed in the action. Does that that wouldn't change her legacy? We wouldn't wouldn't be inspired by Sharon Tate's life anymore. He has to create a fictional movie in which she survives. I don't to know. Change I, her legacy. I don't think I can answer that because um, he's a great director making a movie about her. Pretty much anything he did would. At least bring awareness of her at a minimum. We'll we'll get to the ending. I want to jump back. So my favorite scene in the movie is the Al Pacino scene. So the movie starts. Yeah, the very first scene where they're at the at their dinner. So the movie starts where you're kind of seeing introducing to all these characters. Rick and Cliff drive to to meet Al Pacino, who's this film producer. I love when the movie starts and it it has their uh, their credits where they're flipped because like. Brad Pitt's driving and Leo's passenger, but like on the credits it says Leo and Brad Pitt. They're flipped. I just think that's amazing. Obviously intentional. Um, but yeah, the, the whole the whole scene where he's having the dinner, every is there's one liners after another. Like, is that your son? No, that's my stunt double. Like, all of the hilarious exchange that they have, um, it, and and then also the 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 discussion that he has with Pacino about seeing seeing rick's movies he's like all right i had this double feature where i or uh you know movie marathon i watched all rick dalton movies the first movie he watches the whatever 14 fists of mccluskey McCluskey, it's basically inglorious bastards it's a guy killing nazis and they make a joke about how oh there's a lot of killing yeah like everybody's criticized tarantino's movies for murder and killing and violence he says like anybody order sauerkraut uh then he calls them bastards like it's he's he's making fun of his own movies in a tongue-in-cheek way which i think is amazing is he making uh, fun of them or is he okay he reference referencing them and, and i think he's I referencing think them i don't know that he's but making it's fun jokes. of them he's you know uh, the scene where he's training with the flamethrower and he's like god that's hot anything you do about the heat and the guy's like rick it's a flamethrower like they're, they're he's making jokes constantly throughout this movie and it's hilarious um but also again it's this whole idea of like your career's falling apart let me do something for you let me change the narrative uh, but i also think it's it's tarantino speaking to himself in his career and the movies he makes um and also just the acting by DiCaprio. You, you know, Brad Pitt won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor, but I think DiCaprio is he's, oh, he's like he's what how the thousand in this movie. He's he's throwing fireballs the entire I can time. Take your he's lead, hilarious. Brad Pitt. He's emotional. He's yeah, he, like, he hits all this crazy range. And yes. Brad Pitt just look cool. Hop up onto the roof in a really cool way when you're gonna fix the antenna and then crack open a beer with your and like he's fine. I get almost no emotion uh, from brad pitt whatsoever he's fine um anyway but i'm with you i mean leo absolutely is this could not work with anybody else but also the idea of you're sitting in your screening room you watch a western with your wife she goes to bed you make yourself a cognac you light up your cigar and you watch the drinking and the smoking is absurd in this movie oh my god like that's i I didn't think it looked cool it spooked you i mean i saw the cigarettes come out and i just want to gag no i can just smell the the disgusting cigarette smoke that's a part of this era that i don't romanticize at all or the hangovers from all those 
when he said he had eight whiskey sours and then got up at 7 15 the next day for five sure. or six out of eight goddamn eight whiskey, whiskey sours uh, uh, i just uh I, that's I, a I lot score. of goddamn whiskey sours yeah but if you is. drink every night i mean you know well whatever. yes if you're a raging alcoholic yeah which i think he is but anyway go ahead sorry no, I just think because then then he also references the Western movie, which is like the plot of it is basically Django. It's like a bounty hunter. And I don't know um, I, I the, the way the movie kicks off and, and Leo's emotion where he's like being told that his career is like almost over. You can see he's just sitting there almost crying and trying to hold it together. Um, and then the other part, of the, the, the beginning sequence is basically the one day and then the next day. It's like so then because that's a dinner. So then Leo and Brad go back to their to his house and he drops him off. And then you see Sharon Tate pull out and they go to the 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 Playboy Mansion, which is I, I think and a that pretty cool ludicrous scene. Austin Powers getup that Roman Polanski's wearing. I, mean, yeah. I just could not get over like, oh, there was a time when people would wear that unironically like, oh, this is just I'm wearing this. Oh, when okay. I first saw the movie, I'm like, what's the point of this? Why are we now we're in the Playboy Mansion? But I think it is to just get get a sense of Sharon Tate, like what her life was like. And, you you know, to, to make you feel the loss of her, like, it, you know, obviously she doesn't die in this movie, but like to learn well, a that, little you bit. You and I have a very different reaction to that sense of loss. I, anyway, and, and how much work Tarantino puts in to give you that sense of loss and then squirm uh, and so, flinch at the end the other things uh, so the two movies he references the django and glorious bastards and this are his sort of like th- three movies where he does this revisionist history where he yeah. changes like actually like you know in glorious bastards they kill hitler and in django the you know the guy who's former slaves or he kills kills all the slaves or the slave owners and frees the slaves and then in this the, you know the manson family doesn't kill sharon tate they get killed like do you does that do you like that mechanic? Because I can't think of anybody else who's ever done anything like that in movie history, and I I, I appreciate it. I think it's original. You don't like uh, it, do you? I like it with the other two. Um, I think his intentions are a lot more obvious on the forefront for those other two. Uh, Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained. It's clear, like, all right, I'm just going to make a silly movie in which I imagine history in a way that's cooler, um, and you know the actual good guys come out on top. And the people who should be punished get punished. I mean, he sets the stage up for those on the front end. But once upon a time in Hollywood, it's way more ambiguous. And I watched this. This is the second time I've seen it. Like, how much? How much of this is just me missing the signs? And maybe it, I, I was, but I watched this and thought it really feels like it's being set up to where we're supposed to expect that Sharon Tate's going to be killed. The movie is very, very, very authentic. Um, it rarely goes off into absurdity too much. And really the absurdity comes from Rick, you know, going on tirades and being an alcoholic and being insecure. Otherwise well, we have a lot the of fidelity. Bruce Lee scene is kind of absurd. And maybe we but should yeah, talk. Is, you're, you're right. That's another one. Maybe we should like, talk okay. about that. Well, yeah, we can, but um, I, I really felt like we're getting, we're supposed to anticipate Sharon Tate being killed when we watch this. Um, we have this scene with Kurt Russell's voiceover narration where he's telling us minute by minute what all the people in the house are doing. Like this Polish guy smoked weed and thought how much better American television is be- than Polish before he fell asleep. And you're just giving this note by note. And we see so many little things in Sharon Tate's life, which are to me really ominous and portentous, even this time around, like portentous, like I, I, I you just get this vibe like, oh, the hammer's going to drop. But anyway, we'll get to the hammer not dropping 
Um, the Bruce Lee scene, yeah, it's kind of cringy, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't love it. It was maybe the it most there. controversial part of the movie when it came out. I mean, I think Bruce Lee's daughter was trying to get them to remove it from the movie. And, you know, there's a lot of people that hate it. I think, you know, film critics have criticized that scene. It's the worst actual ra- I think scene the, the movie. The, the, most, the heaviest criticism is that it's outwardly racist, um, which I, I don't. I don't agree with that. I mean, who knows? If you're offended by it, I you know I can't speak to that. But uh, I don't love it. I don't love this scene. It's too I indulgent think... to me. It's like, come on, we already got that he's a tough, cool guy. Yeah. And people don't like him, except for Rick is the only person in all of Hollywood who likes him. I get that. I love a lot of the build up to it. Like I love the 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 obviously, like I said, the 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 Cliff uh, Rick relationship. I think is my favorite part of the movie, and it's the like Cliff trying to get. Um, uh, Kurt Russell to to get him on the on the set. He's like, hey, come on, man, you can throw him off a building, hit him with a car, like get creative, like you can do whatever you want to this guy. Like he's he's the best fit for me as a stunt double. Like I love that, like that you know where he's trying to get him to get get sure. him job, get him to work, and then you know even the 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 back and forth with Bruce Lee. Like I I I actually find that interesting. It's like Bruce Lee thinks he can beat up. Muhammad Ali, like, okay, you know, what do you think about that? That seems authentic. Like, I'm sure that's something Bruce Lee would have said, you know? Sure. And and Tarantino, to his credit, like, I've heard him defend it. Like, he talked to people who knew Bruce Lee, like uh, David Carradine, who was in Kill Bill, like, spent a lot of time. He, Bruce Lee claims he wrote the screenplay for uh, Kung Fu. So, like, they had a relationship, and a lot of the stuff he says he put in the movie he got from people who knew Bruce Lee. Um, so I, I don't think he's like, it's not a caricature of Bruce Lee, although it's funny, you know what I mean? There's, there's comical moments like, um, you know, how he throws him into a car and you know, all that. like, I think that's, I think there's funny parts to it. I just wish he didn't make Bruce Lee look like a little bitch so much. Like I get it's Brad Pitt and you got to make Brad Pitt look tough, but like it's Bruce Lee, right? Like arguably the most famous martial artist in the history of the human race. Like been this tough, cool stunt man. You'd have to make him look like such a bitch. But uh, Tarantino had like a thing against Bruce Lee. Like he really didn't care for him is what it sounded like. Well, you know? I'm sure. I'm pretty sure that everything Quentin Tarantino puts in movies is just his own views on stuff. It, yeah, it would have been more interesting if it was more of a draw or something. And Bruce Lee was like, oh, okay, this guy is tougher than I realized. Instead and then it cuts the killing the wife stuff with Brad Pitt's character that, again. That's, like, can we talk about that scene? Why that, is that? Yeah. That, so it's so bizarre to me. I, can't, I still can't wrap my head around it. Like, we could do one of two things. I, I, well, we could do lots of things, but we leave it ambiguous, which is so baffling to me. You could have him be innocent, which would make us like him more, and he just has to endure that people think he killed his wife falsely. And that would make me like him more and understand that it would make his situation more tragic and also make him cooler in a sense, that he knows that everybody thinks he killed his wife and he didn't. Or you could, like, challenge the viewer in quotes, right? You you like this movie because it's a fun hang, fun to hang with those two guys. I kept thinking of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas with this one because um, yeah. it's, it's a little bit later than that. It's like a few years after Fear and Loathing, but it's a cool era. It's fun to be with the characters. Fear and Loathing has that scene towards the end where it really – Harshes your buzz, harshes your, you know, harshes your mellow. You could have also shown that he did in fact kill his wife. That would really harsh your mellow. That would really like lee stick in viewers' cross. You could also make that choice. But he doesn't make either one of those choices. He just says, I'm gonna cut away. I'm gonna show her nagging him really bad, 
him sitting there looking like I want this woman to shut up and then cut away. Well, it's such a bizarre choice to me. There's also like, and I don't know if, if anyone's ever commented on this, but the woman looks a lot like Angelina Jolie. And oh, Brad Pitt okay. went through this like really nasty divorce with Angelina Jolie. And oh, like geez. he had to have known people were going to ask those questions is like, is that supposed to like be a reference to you wanting to kill Angelina Jolie? And, and he, neither of them have ever commented on it. I think they're basically like, no comment. I'm not speaking sure. on that, but like, that's also like, man, why with that whole background, you know, that he Brad Pitt has, like, why, why even go there? You know what I mean? He must, Brad Pitt obviously agreed to it. Like, yeah, it's, it's, that is probably my least favorite part of the whole movie. It, it's is. just frustrating because it's just, it just, come on, make a choice. Make a choice, man. Come on. She falls off. He tries to save her. She drowns. Or he does get pissed and he kills her. But make a choice. But we have to just, or don't show it at all. You could also just not show it. I yeah. mean, I don't know. I also I love was, in that scene, the, the stunt coordinator, the woman is actually like his longtime stunt double she she did all the kill bill stunt stuff and yeah, she was yeah, like she the was star death proof. death proof yeah yeah so i thought that was kind of cool she's in you know she, there's not he's isn't got, she in another movie of his probably uh, i mean she she's got at least a bit part in there she i mean he's got the people that he uses you know he's got yeah. a, michael madsen was in this for you know a, a brief scene you know tim roth i saw was cut from it i didn't realize that the first time but he had a scene that he was like their use. butler sharon tate's butler who who was apparently there i guess on the that night oh. in real life oh. okay interesting okay I, I i don't enjoy hanging with the characters as much as you do i mean i, I get that you like the vibes they're cool guys their codependency was a little weird to me i didn't just find it endearing i also find it in some level a smidge pathetic but it's okay like when uh it's supposed to be but that didn't make it fun to me. Um, I just think, okay, because the movie plays it all as cool and fun. Like when we see them watching the episode of FBI in which Leo's the villain. I, again, I love I love the recreation. Really, that show is so incredible. I love the scene. I love the intro. I'm just like, okay, that's great. But then they're both hanging out and he's, I, I don't, I think you probably thought that was fun or funny or entertaining. And I'm just like, okay, come on. Uh, the the whole that's where the meme with him pointing at his scene came from it's yeah I, sure it's the whole setup to it i love he's like hey do you want to come in and watch my show he's like hey i just figure we would i got a six pack we'll order pizza because you're my boss and i have to kiss your ass and you're the only no, person they're who will buddies. give me money they're buddies they're best friends it's, i mean how often do you get to see just like two men be friends in a movie and hang out and just have a good time together like I, I think the, the sort of male friendship in this movie is like a rare thing. You don't see that in a lot of movies. I think if we went through all the film history, there'd be a lot of those movies. I think uh, I don't have any this to talk about Maybe. I mean, I guess I'll take your word for it since you've seen so many of the other ones. Um, <laughs> but uh, bad boys. Right. I prefer this. Uh, I, I, yeah. Okay. Well, that's yeah. You're really <laughs> picking the best options there. You're picking the healthiest fruit off the tree to compare it to. Um, that's yeah, fine and i get that it's fine that you like i'm not offended by it it's not problematic it just doesn't quite it's like it's like a mystery science theater they're like you can hear them talking over the his show and it's like the streets are quiet now and rick's got a fucking shotgun they aren't well because he's, he's kissing like, his ass the whole like, time then he's like oh that guy's a real dick he's just <laughs> kissing his ass the whole time yes he's saying that guy sucks the other actor sucks oh yeah he's got a shotgun <laughs> he's <laughs> also a good jump man 
Good job. That was he's, a real good job. He's okay. trying to make him, you know, he Rick's like got a fragile ego, and he's he's that's part I know, of his role. I he's got his, his, role. his ego because yeah. if Rick gets really unhappy, he might fire him, and then no, that's not it. How's he going to pay for all that about wolf fuck He cares okay. about his friend. Okay, again, and that's part of their relationship. Is he's his therapist in a way. You're you're Rick fucking Dalton. Don't you forget yeah, it. And then they're very codependent. It's and bizarre. then he goes and gives this amazing performance, like because. His guy pumped him up. Like, and then when he does the performance, God, I love this scene where I don't, we, we haven't really talked about it, but the other part of this movie is like, that's a big buildup to him doing this show, this Lancer show with Timothy Orlefont, where he's like the guest bad guy. That's a big part of the movie. My, like I said, my second favorite scene is where he's talking to the little girl. He's he's preparing to do his role, and he tells yeah, her about the horse. It shouldn't work for me because I hate the precocious kid trope, but it really worked. She's amazing. The girl gave a great performance. The writing's great. It worked. I was like, and, all right. And you know, him reading the book, and the book's like basically the theme of the movie, I think. Sure, um, of but, course it but is. Then, then he delivers the performance. Like we actually see them make the show, which is also an incredible sequence. Is just no, I love that. I love the all show. Of a yeah, for no 20 minutes, we're watching this show that is like part of the movie. But the the part I noticed this time is the scene where he's drinking the eight whiskey sours the night before, where he's sitting in his pool, which is just such a cool thing to do, like sit in your pool and drink whiskey sours so and cool. a lot of cool run movie. your lines. But he's running the lines that he delivers the next day, and it's him doing both voices. <laughs> so like he's like. He 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 is reciting the lines in the movie. He's just like Spanish, 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 and then he says his line. And then when you watch him do it, Timothy Oliphant's actually speaking in Spanish to the guy, and then you know tell the girl to you know play her chili pepper heart out, get the fiddle, like that whole sequence. Like I I could watch that just over and over again. I absolutely love it. And then he delivers this incredible performance. And the girl says like that's the best acting I've ever sure. done. And he says that Rick fucking Dalton because that. In his head, that's what Cliff said to him. And again, it's just his buddy pumping him up and delivering. The, he's his hype man. I think that's great. Sure, I love it. I know you do. It's fine. I love that you love it. I don't love it quite as much as you, but it's it's all good. Um, he didn't know the character's name was Dakota. He's like, I thought it was Dakota. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure it's Dakota. Like, yeah. And even like Timothy Oliphant's face when they're doing that scene, where like where Leo forgets the line and he's like, line, you can see Orlefont's just like, really this fucking guy? Like he can't do the, he can't do this. And it's just, it's one of my favorite scenes in movie history. Yeah, it's great. Love it's it. great. I, I love all that. Um, I mean, is it time? Should we, should we get yeah. into the ending? I think it's time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so then we get to the end. I think, I think from the moment they come back from Italy, you know, and, and so rest of the plot is, he takes the job that Pacino's pitching him. He goes and makes spaghetti westerns. He's gone for eight months or whatever, and, and he comes back, and that's when it's like he's married, and it's the end of the road. It's the end of the road for him and Cliff because, you know, he's got a wife, and he won't doesn't think he'll be able to afford it. He might try to get pilots, but he doesn't have any jobs lined up. His career's kind of over, and they go get blackout drunk and come back to their house the night that August 8th when – the Mansons came and killed Sharon Tate and all, all those people that lived there. Um, but instead, they they pull up to the Celio Drive, the loud-ass car. Leo's making margaritas, which is just incredible. And he runs out and yells at the guy to get his fucking car, get these fucking hippies out get of the his, country. Get his muffler fixed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What are you looking at, you ginger fucker, gingerhead fucker? Um, 
Dennis Hopper, get your fucking car out of here. Like that from from that moment on, I, I think it's just pure comedy is the way I look at that that whole sequence. From that until the end of the movie, it's just funny. It's supposed to be it's Tarantino tongue in cheek saying, You want violence, I'll give you fucking violence and I'll make it hilarious and I'll also rewrite history and fuck you if you don't like it. And I think it's amazing. Uh I, I had a really I, I was really tempted this time. So Brad Pitt, you know, he's got this marijuana or LSD lace cigarette. He's been saving. It's there. His last night with Rick Dalton. It's the end of the road. He's at Rick Dalton's place. He smokes it. And he's getting ready to walk his dog. Comes out and he says, away we go. I, I was so tempted. So tempted, Eric, to just stop the movie just right just there. Just turn it off right stop. there. Stop. Just be like, all right, let me, let me just edit Isn't this. Is it a perfect movie up until then in your mind then? Not quite perfect. There's, there's a couple of things wrong. I, again, I don't love... I really don't love Brad Pitt's character. It's he's, it's just, he's not a real person to me, but it's fine. I don't relate or understand. I don't see a person there. I'm pretty sure he could get hit with a nuclear bomb. And he'd just say, eh, you're going to have to hit me with something harder than that. If you expect to take me out. I mean, I just expect that kind of line from, but um, don't you think like, that's the same guy that was in fight club. Like that's Tyler Durden. I thought he, I, well, I got the impression that he was this character he played in uh, the war movie. Now I just lost it. Um, not January before. Inglorious Bastards. No, I thought it was he's, uh, Aldo Rain. Yeah. No, Aldo Rain was a totally different guy. That just he talked more. That was it. Like a less chatty version of Aldo Rain. Tough, funny, kind of cool, unflappable. I don't know. I think if you it? take if you take Brad Pitt in Fight Club, you take him in like Snatch, and then this guy. Like those are three completely different human beings played by the same actor. Well, I think it's pretty sure. impressive. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I felt like it was very similar vibes. I mean, the guy in Glorious Bastard talks a lot more, but otherwise, I'll get chewed out. I've been chewed out before. I mean, that's a line that Brad Pitt is. Well, they're both military guys. I mean, Cliff Booth is supposed to be like a Vietnam War hero also. Sure. I mean, if I wanted to create headcanon, I'd make that guy, although Rain from Inglorious Bastards, his, like, dad or something. I mean, you, you could you could. There's a lot of that, the the – Margariti, the filmmaker in Italy, is like the same name from the guy in Inglorious Bastards. Oh, is uh, it okay? When when they fake the because they're Italian filmmakers when they go to kill the Nazis, like oh yeah. There's a, yeah. there's a lot of those like universe connections in this sure. movie. And the accents are different, but I, I got those same vibes for me. Anyway, um, I I thought about editing it there. Um, I, I, you're totally right. The Tarantino doesn't give a shit about my opinion, nor should he. Um, but I see it like. Everything about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I, it, it just felt so different from a lot of his other movies for up until that point. And we're spending a lot of time lovingly focusing on Sharon Tate. Um, because, of course, in real life, we know that whatever narrative Quentin Tarantino wants to change, she was taken from reality early. This is what actually happened. She's didn't get to make any more movies. She didn't get to have her baby. These people's lives all ended. Uh, that's forever the reality that we live in. And those scenes work so well, even knowing that we have to just, through the magic of cinema, create a reality where that doesn't happen. Um, but it would work so much better to me if he if decided... If they just got brutally murdered? Because that's what happened. Yes. 
They got brutally yeah, murdered. Eric. Cliff, what happened? Cliff and Rick Dalton are not real people. Like this is a fictional. It's a once. He gets once, to do what he. It's a fi- what? once upon a time in Hollywood. It's a yeah, I get fairy it. it's tale. A fable. He gets to do what he wants. I felt that everything wasn't fantastical until that point. If you felt like, hey, we're in Sillyville, and this is made up, because I felt you hey, just said having... you thought you thought Cliff's character was in Sillyville. He well, he, he kind of borders on it. He t- he's right on the edge for sure. He he goes over it with the Bruce Lee sequence. Well, uh, not to re- rehash the point, but there is also is an argument that that was all just in his head, Cliff's, because he climbs up on the roof and he's 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 remembering it. And it's like, is that the way he remembered it? Maybe isn't the way it went down. I mean, clearly he had some beef with Bruce Lee, and that got him fired. That's it. That's a, we know that from the story. But I, I know he seems to go fair enough at the end. Like, oh, okay, yeah, it makes sense. The guy won't work with me anymore. Can't fault him for that. Anyways, I mean, yeah. Anyway, I I know I get it. I mean, the the title implies a fairy tale, but I I think the mood doesn't. I mean, it, it accurate and s- s- such fidelity to actually what the time looked like. That it really doesn't feel like we're in fantasy land. We are seeing a very specific aesthetic. Um, and, you know, if we're not supposed, if we're supposed to anticipate that she's going to be saved by Tarantino, why do we spend all this time? Hey, here she is this minute. Here's what this person's doing. We're doing that because he's setting us up to do the switcheroo, I think. We're supposed to think they're here now because we're supposed to see this is when the Mansons are going to get here and do whatever they're going to do. Um, and then I sit there yeah, and when, get when, depressed. When, to, to most people like who know the story, when you see it, it's August 8th, 1969, you're like, oh shit, this is the day they die. Like, this is it. You know, it's like... And I think that's what we're supposed to think. Right. And then all of a sudden, boop, we switch. Because everything to me gives the vibe, other than maybe a little bit of Brad Pitt, that, okay, we're going to endure this tragedy, and this is part of why we're going to romanticize this period because there's this darkness that's going to have transformed it um, during this transitory period. There's a, a very toxic element of counterculture that's coming through. Um, I think if the movie ended the way you're, you wish it had, it wins best picture. And I think people think of it in a different way. I, I think, think it's, so. well, that's, it's that probably thought of as like maybe one of the greatest movies ever made. Well, that, that, I mean, I, that's interesting. If, if, I would like it I, better. I really think if the ending where, where it's it's more overt in this like this free love era is over, it's darkness ahead, and shit's about to get fucking real, and then the movie just ends. I think people would have said like, I mean, Parasite's an amazing movie. This this came out the same year as Parasite. Parasite won Best Picture. I think it probably would have been closer if it had ended the way you're saying it. Um. But I, it's obviously not the movie Tarantino wanted to make. That's fine. He wanted to do his usual thing. He's just continuing his legacy of, of rewriting history in a way that he thinks is more entertaining, is cooler, is more fun, and more just, which is fine. He gets to do that. And I, I, I love I, I all those more, things you said. I, 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 I don't need to see the darkness that's coming. I know that. He knows that. We all know it. We know what Manson was. Like, give me something. Feels, give me entertainment. Give me a fairy tale that I can watch over and over again and enjoy it. I would watch this, want to watch it more if she died at the end. But 
This see, would make those scenes resonate the more. Scene, the scene where where Rick goes to the to the door and they're like, hey, hey, uh, Sebring is like, hey, what's going on? And he has that exchange with Rick. And he's like, everybody okay? And he's like, nah, man, the, <laughs> those hippies are not. I burnt one to a crisp, got the fucking flamethrower in my garage. Like, and then and then he, she invites him in, and, and he makes a movie with Roman Polanski. Well, we don't know. Maybe. Know, sure. It's a different but if it world. Maybe his career is going to yeah. take a different direction because now now he's in with a hot young director in Hollywood um, who maybe killed his wife. Well, maybe uh, the peace and love era continues. Maybe the whole Manson thing, which, you know, I, I think to, to just sort of I wasn't obviously alive when it happened. But from what hearing Tarantino talk like that changed everything. People started locking their doors. It just it, it changed the way society lived because these crazy people just walked in the house and killed a bunch of pregnant woman who's a movie star. And, um, yeah. you know, maybe that maybe the world's different if that if Manson never happened. We never know the name Charles Manson, you know, like because these hippies got beat up and Manson never killed anybody and that none of that happened. And like, that's kind of a cool thought. Like, can can movies make you change the way history is is thought of i think that's kind of a cool tarantino has that ego that he thinks he can do that i think is really cool and admirable I mean, I you don't, don't agree with it and maybe well, i don't it doesn't change anything it's just it just makes you feel better about it it doesn't it medicates your feelings on history but it doesn't change it uh, i mean is that all change, history is how you look at it you know how you feel about it i wasn't so alive you can when just erase shit it happened. because you just come with whatever perspective you want so then you can not have to worry about it Oh well, in my version of slavery, all the white slave owners were murdered by all the slaves, and they took hold of no, their wealth. These and... are movies, dude. It's not. He's not actually changing you're history. You're talking about how he's changing the perspective and he's changing the legacy and the way you think about it. Cheap. I mean, you're the one adding all in this the movie. extra stuff. Yeah. Well, the same movie, you can do movie. whatever you want. You, it's movies. You can make whatever rules up you want. It's fine. That's how fictional narratives work. You can do whatever you want. Um, it, it's fun. It's escapism. Glorious Bastards is entertaining. It's not serious. It doesn't change the way I think about World War II or history. It's like, oh, it's kind of silly but fun. But your emotional response to it is real. Not really. I just, I mean, it is for I me. I have fun. It's it's thick. It's it's to me. It might as well be Thanos. It might as well be a big purple blob of goop that's made up in a Marvel movie because it's not real. It's like a Quentin Tarantino's version of a superhero movie, way better than any of like pretty much any of those. Um, but it, it's just so fake that I don't care. Like sticking it to creating fanfic about history is still fan fiction. It's really good fan fiction. It's really entertaining fan fiction, but it's fan fiction. It doesn't like, Oh co- yes. It'd be way cool if a squad of Jews had killed Hitler in a theater. Yeah, please. And somebody else who lost all of her family to the Nazis, like burned him alive or way cooler version of history. Cool. But it's pretend it's such nonsense that I don't take it even remotely seriously. It doesn't change how I perceive anything. I just have fun with it, and then, all right. I mean, yeah, if it's it like changes, reading a comic book. That's that's the way he looks at movies. And that's fine. With once in a, and once a time, upon a time in Hollywood, I didn't feel like I felt like we were getting something that wasn't a comic book. I felt like we were getting something a little more mature, more thoughtful, a little more sad. Like real emotions were creeping in to a Tarantino movie. They don't usually. Tarantino doesn't really want to invest and in real sweetness. emotions. There's some sweetness to it, too, that you Correct. never that's see. My, and that's why I think, oh, we're going to a different direction. And then, no, actually, there's a comic book the whole time. You wanted you you wanted him to take the Tarantino out of it. And and I, I, I guess I kind of see your point. 
I, I see it. I, that's I, me. That's fine. I, he gets to do I what he wants. I think it's valid. I, just... I think it's valid. I I get it. I, I could I, see I could see where that would be like man I wish I wish he hadn't gone Tarantino at the because I like Django is a movie that I really like but I think the end of that movie it it rubs me the wrong way the way the end of this movie rubs you the wrong way like I wish it, I wish he had just made a more like honest movie about slavery and you know the fighting back from the bondages of slavery. And then instead of this, just like sort of like overly violent where blood's just flying everywhere and people are just getting shot for like, you know, sort of grindhousey kind of ending. Well, see, to that I didn't movie. mind because I thought he was more honest about his intentions in both those movies. That's the big difference to me is I felt we're, we're in Sillyville straight from the beginning. Again, comic book version of history. And it's fine. I mean, my, my favorite tension movies, Pulp Fiction, a sizable gap. Then it's Jackie Brown. Um, Jackie Brown is one of the least Tarantino movies. There's still a lot of Tarantino in there, man, whatever. It's not nothing. But he doesn't quite go as goofy and crazy with some of the stuff. But you, and I you, love it. if you take that out of this movie, you don't get the the text knocking down the door and saying, I'm as real as a donut, motherfucker. And, and, and like, I, don't, I don't need that. That's fine. I don't need a bunch of dope. When I first saw way, this movie, so I didn't know this was ha- – I, when I first saw the movie, I had no idea what was going to happen. I was just, Me neither. And that, I think, is also – a, a thing to admire is like going into a movie where you like literally have no idea what's going to happen. It's like, I know in history, Sharon Tate died, but is she going to die? Like what's going to happen? I was totally enthralled. Like I had no idea. You didn't like what happened, but you can't, you can't negate the fact that it was like surprising. Oh, I was right? very you surprised. That's part yourself. of my frustration. No, 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 definitely was surprised. I'm, I'm not, but and, I and for me, when I, first, I was just laughing the entire time. Cause I think he's trying to be funny. I think the whole thing is like, he's poking fun at like, you want violence. I'll give you violence. Sure. sure. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> he's at his critics. I mean, literally there's a, sign, a line this time when the hippies are deciding instead of killing Sharon Tate, they're going to kill Rick Dalton. They said, we're going to kill the people that taught us to kill man. Right. And he's a quote-unquote a director that's taught people to kill because he's been criticized for his violence. Like, oh, yeah, there's definitely a, a meta element. It, it's fine. Um, I, I don't laugh at the end. Well, so, side note, I, I may or may not have uncovered a, a plot hole. I want you to let me know if I did, right? Hippies arrive. There's three hippies. Two are going to go in the front door, and the one says, go around back. Does she go around back and not see Rick Dalton sitting on the pool? The the back door isn't all the way in the back. It's like on the side of the house. Oh, okay, okay. So it's like, like I think it's like the garage door. Like we see her kind of walk to the side, but yeah, she doesn't go all the way to the like back of the house. Okay. Until she breaks through the window. But sure. again, that whole sequence where he she breaks through the window and Rick's like, what the fuck? He's in the pool, and then he just goes. And you know he's gonna get the flamethrower out and just burns the burns the hippie to a crisp, like. It's just hilarious. I think it's so funny that whole oh, sequence. Yeah. The Austin Butler, you know, I'm the devil here to do the devil's work. It's like, nah, it was dumber than that. Like, uh, uh, I find that whole sequence hilarious, and so, I love yeah, it. I, even though I knew it was coming the second time, I was like, I, I sit there and think, okay, come on, man. Uh, it bums me out. It, it bums me out. It depresses me. It doesn't make me laugh. I don't have fun with it. I just think, oh, jeez. Okay, come on, man. Like, if, if he had not gone full Tarantino at the end and had done it, had had faced the, the darkness and accepted that it happened, this would probably be my favorite Tarantino movie. 
I mean, it probably would supplant Pulp Fiction. I think a lot of people would have said this is like maybe one of the greatest movies ever made. It took him a long time to develop enough mature or whatever is what people would say. And he doesn't care. Fuck the critics. I do what I want. And that's fine. I want artists to be able to make whatever choices they want. And then we as consumers get to react to it. It just bums me out. It just bums me out. But if someone Uh, was to say, what do I think is the best movie ever made? I would probably say Pulp Fiction. If somebody was like, what's your favorite movie? I might say this. Like literally, I might say this movie. This is past Inception or whatever. It 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 would be in the it'd be right in the in the grouping. I mean, you have a selfish choice with these two. Okay. And this movie just, I mean, it only been out a few years. Twenty nineteen is when it came out, so it's not like it's been out a long time. It's a, it's his most recent movie. Um, I really Jackie Brown's phenomenal, but I I Inglorious Bastards is like also in that group of like maybe my favorite movies ever made. Like that movie oh, is wow, okay. absolutely incredible to me. It's um, great. It might be my number three. I, my number three changes. I mean, number one. And Reservoir two, Dogs is amazing. I, I really like set, Reservoir. But... The only thing about Tarantino, like, if you like Death Proof, I don't think is a Death very. Death Proof and Hateful Eight are at the bottom. There's somewhere. there's things in it I like, but I don't sure. think it's like a great movie. Hateful Eight's entertaining enough, like for what it is, but. But would you put it ahead of Kill Bill? Absolutely or not. No. Django. Or any of the other, or and Rose the Kill Bill movies, I I don't. I mean, again, I, the, I, I, I like. I love those. part one. I don't like part two nearly yeah, as much. I, it's not that I don't like it. It's just there's there's things about it I don't love. So, um, you know that I think we're about on the same page in terms of Tarantino rankings. We're pretty um, close. Yeah, I think so. Closer than we probably are for most anybody else. Like it. So my number three changes. You could convince me it's Django or Reservoir Dogs. It would cycle between those three probably. Maybe on a certain day, once upon a time in Hollywood, it just. But the ending is just the ending is so it just it really frustrates me. I mean, I know we talk about endings a lot. Um, I also just like maybe I I wish he had the guts to show Cliff Booth murdering his wife at the very end of the movie. Really piss off the viewers there, like really anger people. Well. Do you want to give your rating? Should we just jump sure. and give her a letterbox rating? Four star, four stars. I would if it, the ending was different. I'd probably give it five. It would get at least four and a half, probably five. Um, it would be close to a perfect movie, even with the dopey Bruce Lee scene. And I'm you're gonna. I'm ready to hear your five. I mean, we can ask. Is it a five star it, movie? A hundred percent a five star for me, okay. without a doubt. It's five star with a bullet. The the love for just ho- the town of Hollywood, the making of movies. He's so enamored All in that, that stuff, and he spends incredible. so much time, you know, giving credit to the people that help make movies, and you know, spe- spending time on a, a stunt double actor relationship. I think is. Amazing. I think there's a lot of beauty in this movie, all the Sharon Tate stuff and seeing her character. And uh, yeah, it's it's just to me, it's one of the most entertaining movies I've ever seen. Like, I, I, I think it's rewatching it again. It, I'm so struck at how funny I think this movie is like what what's a comedy that's come out in the last five years that's funnier than this. I, I haven't laughed. I haven't seen many. I, I, I don't go to comedies anymore. I don't well, watch Well, there aren't many, but like, I don't laugh at movies the way I, this movie makes me laugh, like burst out laugh. I, it, I find it just hilarious. Oh. The one-liners, the back and forth, it's it's absolutely hilarious. Um, 
Other other thing about why I think it's five star, the cast of this movie is really cast great. Is, is phenomenal. Not just I, Leo and Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie. There like, are so great. many great people in this movie too that are like have bit parts. I mentioned the Austin Butler guy who just played Elvis in that movie. He plays the text guy. He's really good in it. Oh, yeah. uh, as a famous murderer, that text dude. Um, there's a woman named Sydney Sweeney who's in like White Lotus. I don't know if you watched that show on I HBO. She's the, in Euphoria as well. That's the one I've heard from you, Euphoria. She, the, she's one of the Manson groupie women. Yeah, um, the woman that plays Pussy in it. She's in this show called Made, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, it's she's actually series on Netflix. She's she's, um, uh, she's the daughter of a famous actress, Andy McDowell. She's her oh, daughter. Okay. And okay. actually, Maya Hawk also in this. She's in Stranger Things. She's she's Ethan Hawk and Uma Thurman's kid. And she looks exactly like Uma Thurman. Like, it's kind of oh, eerie a little bit how she sounds and looks like Uma Thurman. Um, but she's really good. And Timothy Orlefon, I mentioned him. He's amazing. Al Pacino. Like, it, it has a really great cast. And all the actors are are in it. Like, they're 100% committed. Um, so, the other thing I was going to mention... Um, I read the novelization. He put out a book last summer. It's like the novelization of, of the movie. That's right. Which I loved. It was amazing. Um, there's there's bits. So you probably would have liked this less. There's a bit in the, in the book where he inserts himself into it. Like Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. One yeah. of the best things about this movie is there's no Quentin Tarantino he's in it. Not in he's not awful. But he's awful. It's the worst part of Pulp Fiction, the worst part of Django. Django, yeah, yeah. He sucks. I mean, he, he, he's he got to know how bad he is. But anyway. and, and he didn't do it in Inglorious. Like, I think he's probably moved past that. I don't think he's in Hateful Eight at all. Um, but in the book, he, he's like a little kid. Oh, geez. Um, because he was a little kid in 1969. And sure. there's this bit where, like, his stepdad is like a musician at a bar that Rick goes to. And there's a bit of an interaction in it. But um, I'm, I'm glad that isn't in the movie. Me too. That's you know, a little probably, would have, probably would have bugged you. Yeah, but, um, yeah, but highly recommend the novelization if you if you like this movie and you want to relive it and read a book which dives in a little more detail. You mentioned the stuff about the the uh, Cliff killing his wife. I can't remember if it's more explicit or not in the book. I I seem to think it's more explicit in the book that he did kill his wife. Oh wow! But it was okay. more like an accidental thing, if I remember right. He didn't like tr- murder her. There was a bit of a you know he was drinking too much or something like that um i can't remember specifically but love the book if you if you like the movie read the book okay sounds good um do you want to give your five degrees of field dreams sure let's do it i wanted to go with uh damian lewis who's in a brief scene as uh steve mcqueen who actually uh, he looks a lot like Steve McQueen. No, I think. yeah, it's yeah, it, it was a good resemblance. And then I realized I, did, I I didn't realize this until I looked at Damien Lewis has not been in a ton of movies. He's made some hey billions. On TV. He's been in billions for billions a while. This is a big thing. He was on Band of Brothers. Yeah. Um, but his his. And what was the uh, CIA show where he was like a he had been kidnapped? He was a POW. He's on Showtime. I have no um, idea. Uh, Claire Danes was the lead in that show. Uh, oh, um, Homeland. Homeland. Yeah, Homeland? he was he was a big character in Homeland. Okay, I've, I've never seen Homeland. Okay. Um. Anyway, one of his movies is a movie called Escapist. I know nothing about. It. I recognize. What, what is no it? Movie. Say it again. Escapist. Okay. 
there's a lot of people in that movie. Um, I've never seen it. I recognize almost none of the movies in his uh, filmography. So I was kind of like, oh, let me just pick on one and see who's in it. Um, Brian Cox is in it. Brian Cox is an actor who I first got to know in Super Troopers in high school. Um, but he's actually a genuinely good actor, and he, he plays a straight man in Super Troopers to, I think, great comedic effect. But he's in Rob Roy, the uh, sword-fighting Scottish movie with sure. uh, Liam Neeson. Uh, also in that movie is Tim Roth, who uh, talked about a little bit, but Tim Roth is in Pulp Fiction, who's in it with the guy that plays Brett, um, who's in Field of Dreams. So that's my five degrees of separation. Okay. Um, I went with uh, probably, is he my favorite actor? He might be. Leo? Leonardo DiCaprio. Sure. He might be. If he's in a movie, I'm going to see it. He's kind of I've heard enough from your opinions on him. Yes, he's your favorite. At least he's your favorite actor alive currently. Of all time, you could just debate, but I mean, he's your favorite. Yeah, again, I don't. I'm not saying he's the greatest actor of all time, but I think his choices. He's in a movie. It's Jagger. No Jagger was did. bad. Jagger was a bad movie. I didn't okay, like I've that never movie. Seen it. It's not good. Don't check okay. it out. I wasn't planning on it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I no. mean, he collaborates with the best directors. I just yeah. think he has the smartest choices. Don't Look Up was a movie. Did you see that? It, yeah, that was less than some of its parts. That, yeah. that was a movie like it felt like it really should have been better, and it wasn't It wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. Um, um, he's great but, in it. It's not his fault yeah, necessarily. I think he's really good. It just good doesn't work. The whole thing doesn't work as well as it should. But yeah. anyway. Um, I, so I'm picking Leo DiCaprio. He's in a, a little film called Inception. Maybe you've heard of this. I haven't. It picture. sounds really pedantic and yep. really pretentious. It's a picture about dreams. It's you know one of my top five favorite movies ever. Um, sure. Also, in that movie is a guy named Tom Hardy. Sure. Uh, great actor. He's in a movie called Fury. With the tank uh, movie. The tank movie. Yeah, it's actually a really good movie. Highly recommend it. Okay. Uh, guy in that movie's uh, by the name of Brad Pitt. Okay. Who's also in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I thought I'd bring it all sure. back to Brad nice. Pitt. Hold on. He is, and you might call this cheating. He's listed as an uncredited extra in a movie called No Way Out. Uh, it's one of Kevin Costner's first movies. Uh, I've never seen it, but he's he's apparently in it. He's just not. You, you can see him in the movie. He's just an uncredited extra with Kevin Costner and Kevin Costner's in Field of Dreams. So I wanted to add one more thing about Once Once a Time in Hollywood that we haven't spoken about yet, sure. and it's the soundtrack. Oh, I think great. the soundtrack to the movie is phenomenal. I mean, um, movie has a bad soundtrack. It's great. Yeah, it's one of his greatest skills, I think, is matching music. The needle drops he has and, in movies are some of the best. And he's famous enough that he can get permission and pay for to put them all in. But yeah, I mean, the music in Glorious Bastards is phenomenal. But he's also um, he uses the like is great. oh yeah the David Bowie song he uses songs that were like on the radio at the at, in 1969 in that summer and I think that's kind of cool and that, the music at that time was just fabulous and yeah there's a lot of like it's trippy to me like so I, it's weird to be like oh he, at one point we hear Mrs Robinson and I'm like oh yeah at one point that was like a new song and it's hard for my brain to fathom like being alive when Mrs Robinson comes on and like oh this is just the the latest Simon and Garfunkel or whatever. Uh, and that people used to hitchhike. My father-in-law has hitchhiked before, um, you know, who was like a teenager in the 60s. And like, oh, Be- people used to trust other people. You know, there like, weren't mass you, shootings you would and freaking serial killers. Just in a car and drive across town or across country. Like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, and somebody would pick you up because they tr- people trusted each other back then. You know? Yeah. 
That's nuts. Anyway, yeah, that's not really about the but movie. There's like Joe Cocker, you know, Neil Diamond. Um, there's just a ton of amazing songs uh, on that soundtrack. Um, like I said, the the Roy Head song that when the movie starts, the treat her right, I think is amazing. The Bob Seger song is great. Like it just it takes you to that time and place. So oh yeah, it it that's yeah, I mean, agreed emphatically. I love the soundtrack to this movie. All right, as well. so. Uh, what are what are we watching next week, Ben? I got your trivia here for you. Let's so, do it. Um, I gotta say, so again, the things this movie does is just really makes you fall in love with the time period, and creates it super well. And it, it stuck me. It's like, all right, I gotta watch a movie from that time period. Um, there were a lot of choices, but I'm gonna start with the, the first year. The year is 1968. That's your first clue. So you're this is when the movie came out. Yes. This movie was released in 1968? 1968, okay. yep. That's probably not enough, so I'll go yeah. to clue number two. This was the fourth highest grossing movie of 1968. So, all those characters we watched in the movie, well, maybe not. It's in fictional reality, so maybe this movie doesn't exist in that reality. We don't know. Could, could be something totally different. But, um, fourth highest grossing movie in 1968, so people would have been very aware of this movie. Probably would have seen it. Um, fourth highest grossing movie in 1968. Okay, don't have a guess yet. All right, so the director, and I'll give you his name, but he's the same director that did Breaking Away and Krull. And Krull? Krull, K-R-U-L-L. It's a fantasy movie from 1985. Very weird. Um, You may have caught a glimpse of it when you were a kid at some point. Ask ask Peter about it, see if he ever saw Krull. He probably is aware of it. Mm. Um, There's a weird, like, spinning blade thing, which, anyway, it it doesn't matter. Um... The guy's Peter Yates, so I don't know if that helps you. Okay, no. Uh, all right, we're, now we're, we're gonna, it's going to help it. This, this, you might get it with Clue Number 4. The star of this movie is Steve McQueen. Oh, I... So it's not not the Great Escape, right? That's earlier. Not, that was five years earlier, and I yeah. did consider that one heavily. I really thought about doing Great Escape, but I decided... You know, that might be the only Steve McQueen movie I've ever seen is The Great Escape. And I haven't seen it. I don't know if I've seen a single Steve McQueen movie, so this okay. is part of... Part of my motivation is to close so a big gap. He was in the Blob, also. That's later, though. I think that's in the seventies. I think the Blob is earlier. There's one in the late eighties. Oh, is it? That, there, was that, there was a remake. Okay, yeah, yeah. And he was so, one in like the fifties. Okay. The fifties wave of horror. So, is it Bullet? It is. A bullet. That's right. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's the only other one that like I know. Yeah. He was in Those the Italian two- Job, like the original Italian Job. He's been in a bunch of stuff, but Bullet's actually a movie I've longed to want to see. So this is really well, cool. Those were two famous: Great Escape and Bullet, as far as I know. And I'm, I, the, my fifth clue was going to be the the plot. In all guts, no glory, San Francisco cop becomes determined to find the underworld kingpin that killed the witness and his protection. So there's the plot for you. Fuck, the, great double feature for Once Upon a Time. You go. I was, I said, I was like, man, I kind of see something in this era. And I also thought, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. That's like the complete opposite of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's like two aging sisters who were in Hollywood and have been spit out and they live with each other. And it's codependency is a nightmare and their relationship is really awful. Um, anyway, uh, I thought about doing that one, but it's like, uh, I think uh, I think Eric will have more fun with Bullet. I, I think uh, I'll be shocked if you hate Bullet, if you think it's just an old, dumb, boring movie. And you're just like, why did they make movies so boring in the 60s? I don't get it. It's supposed uh, to have a great ca- car chase scene yeah, in it. I, I don't know much about it. Yeah. I know about as much as you. Um, I'm, I'm curious to check it out. Yeah, you know, the Steve McQueen thing, it's like you see him and you're like, why was he a big movie star? And I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood kind of is, is, is 
sort of touching on that is like how how fragile that could be is like you get oh, the right part and then like bam you're this big star it's like rick dalton just did, he didn't get the steam mcqueen timing part. and timing yeah. lock matters a lot i mean for some people that are mega stars maybe it doesn't like probably didn't matter for meryl streep she was probably always going to be a mega star because she's so insanely good but most people it's like yeah right part right time you ride the fame train and yeah the 60s 70s there was an era where film stars looked a bit different you could look a little you didn't have to look so classically handsome to be a movie star in the 60s and 70s i don't think yeah i mean like paul newman you're like okay that dude looks like a movie star like you get it but like steve mcqueen i I don't know he looks like a normal just a normal ass guy like i don't know yeah nothing special about him yeah i mean even like um now i can't think of his name the guy from french connection um gene hackman yeah, I mean he's not. I mean he's not ugly, oh, but he's, he's so, not. He's a goofy, kind of a goofy looking guy. Yeah, like you're bit, like, yeah. oh, he's he was a big star. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman. He's, he's okay. Well, that's that's again what this movie's also touching on is that change, that shift in Hollywood, where it was like, yeah, a guy like Dustin Hoffman is all of a sudden going to be the biggest star, and Jack Nicholson is going to be one of the biggest stars mm-hmm. in the world. Like these aren't traditional like leading men. They aren't Rick Dalton's. You know what I mean? No, there's just... no, that, that, there's a, about to become extinct. Uh, that that way of doing things. Yeah, that's I mean it's part of what, you know that Rosemary's Baby is a big reason for that because that was just like weird psychological movies. All of a sudden, Bonnie and Clyde had come out. I thought about that one too. That one came out in '67. Um, yeah. Hollywood starts making it. THX one one three eight comes oh, out. <laughs> that's a couple of years away, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, basically, movie studios didn't know what to do. They were losing money to, to TV, and they're like, I don't know. And at some point, they just said, "Hey, directors, here's a bunch of money. Do whatever you want." Coked out seventies directors. We don't care. Try crazy stuff. And uh, they and did. They sure did. And they made some of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. Yep. And then they started losing a lot of money because they got a little too crazy. And then they're like, "Oh, you figured it out for us. Let's. We're gonna take the keys back. Thank you." blockbusters and, that's what we need summer then, blockbusters yeah that's how well, we summer this. blockbusters and then in comes the superheroes eventually yeah. yep down the road oh yeah so all right well bullet is our next movie um i think you got to pay to stream it on like amazon but i mean i think it'll be worth three bucks or four bucks or whatever hey ben i got a lsd lay cigarette uh you think tonight's night well what'll it do uh i don't know well isn't the line she says it'll it'll make you trip he asks what it'll do to him, and she says it'll make him trip. And then, and then the next is, is how much? Um, it's like hippie girl, fifty, 50 cents. cents. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I don't. My booze don't need a buddy. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Catch you on the flip side, Daddy O. And away we go.